0: Hello and welcome to 31 Days of Terror, day number three. To kick things off this week, I need to thank some of our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Jessica Cunningham, Elisma de Troyes, Wendy Wu, Lisa Perry, Lily Bunning, Adrian Fenley, Shaheen Christie, Mary Beth Calicoat, Robert Harris, Donna Griffith, Jay, Lucy King, Cecilia Vahar, Alana. Sinead Mahan Raymond Durand Kelly Irwin Rue O'Day Ashley Anderson and Caitlin Rollins Thank you so much for subscribing to the Patreon. It is so appreciated and I'm so thankful for you every single day. And I have three listener stories for you today. And the first story comes from Keith. My family and I had a plethora of strange encounters, both paranormal and not so paranormal. My grandmother survived the holocaust my mom's fiancee died in a car explosion shortly after dropping her off at home where eventually she met my father who was recently cheated on and left by his fiance. my mom had an out-of-body near-death experience when my entire family was in a severe car accident due to two drunk drivers and post car accident one of my mom's neuropsychiatrists ended up being batshit crazy and stalked my mom broke into our house and mutilated my pet lizards as a threat to my mom if she told anyone. I know, it's kind of dark, but I promise the wealth of experiences I have had do not include any dolls, ghost children, raptors or aliens. Despite everything I've experienced, the thing that scares me most are humans and mob mentality. It's never been easy reconciling the rational, scientific part of my life with the paranormal, as sometimes I feel society has a tendency to force us to make a choice between one or the other. My dad is a civil engineer, and my older brother is an aerospace engineer, and I'm pretty sure both of them are sceptical of anything paranormal. Meanwhile, my mom is definitely the one I attribute my bizarre experiences to. She had an extremely rough childhood, and because of this, she was incredibly kind and empathetic, and had tons of paranormal experiences. I've quite a few memories from before the age of five. Hiding my face in my mom's butt when the cashier at the grocery store said hi to me and I was incredibly shy. Asking my mom about death when I was three clearly, I've always gravitated towards the subject. And her also telling me that if I feel spirits around me and they are frightening me, to ask them to stop and leave me alone and they will. Unfortunately, I never got to ask her more about how she was so spiritual about her paranormal encounters. You see, the car accident mentioned earlier happened when I was five. So I didn't really have much time with my mom pre-severe closed head injury where she had amnesia to the point she forgot who her husband and children were and even how to walk. After a decade of doctors saying they could help while scamming money, she did eventually recover from a majority of the accident, mostly thanks to a very helpful Eastern medicine practitioner and physical therapist. But she will never be the way she was before the car accident. The personality was the same, but it is like her processing is in slow motion. Because of all this exposure to science, paranormal events, doctors with ulterior motives and more, it has made me a sceptic of everything. The main story I want to share was one I've been reflecting on a lot this year, and one that reminded me a lot of Emma's story in episode 1. I was 17 and a junior in high school back in Grand Rapids in Michigan, and it was spring break in April 2001. My friends and I were incredibly nerdy, and, as nerds do on spring break, we had a local area network parties and played Diablo 2. For those of you who don't know, this is what gamers did back when the internet was new and Twitch wasn't a thing. Now, two of my friends who were brothers had a grandma whose house was massive and was mostly unused, so a large group of us would go there with our computers to set up and play games over weekends and long breaks from school. After sleeping in on my first Friday off from school on break, my friend, the younger brother, and I went over to the house in the evening to start setting up for the land party. After setting up and kicking it for a bit, my friend and I decided to make a trip to the nearby 24-hour grocery super centre, which was about a quarter of a mile away, to pick up rations of pizza rolls, mountain dew, and other junk food for the land party. We left the store parking lot at around 11.30pm, and started driving back down the road to his grandma's house. The road was pretty dark and forested, with the exception of a few streetlights. But it's not abandoned. There are residential houses set back from the road. My friend was banging his fingers like drumsticks to the CD playing in the car. Again, this was 2001, and the smartest our cell phones were at the time were the old Motorola V60 and Nokia 3310, which allowed calls and texts, but no music. As I'm driving down the road I saw a woman waiting on the right side of the street. As I was driving closer she started to walk out to cross the street so I slowed down the car and stopped to let her cross. I'm sure her style of clothes has a name but you'll have to forgive me since I know nothing about fashion. She was wearing a wide brimmed pink hat, a nice pink dress with white gloves and pink heels with a purse. She looked to be in her 20s or 30s. "'fair skin, blonde hair which fell down to her shoulders in the back "'and had red lipstick. "'She crossed partway the street "'until she was in front of the car and stopped, "'turned her head to me and smiled. "'She then continued to walk. "'At the same time she continued walking, "'my friend in the passenger seat asked me, "'Why did you stop?' "'I turned to him in confusion to say, "'To let the woman cross.' "'And he responded, "'What woman?' When I looked back, she was gone. I've had plenty of weird things happen in my life, so I wasn't really shaken, but I was a bit in disbelief, mainly because my friend didn't see anything. We finished driving back, and we continued the night of fun when everyone arrived for the weekend. I was still questioning what happened the rest of the night, but my friend wanted to tell everyone what happened, and needless to say, this made a group of nerdy teenagers want to go on some ghost hunting trips later that summer. Now, I didn't feel anything malicious from her, and I actually felt her smile was more of a thank you for stopping to let her cross. However, there was one strange thing about the event whenever I think back. You see, the reason my hair stood up on end when I heard Emma's story was because in the first episode, when Emma said, This is the bit that really freaks me out. And my gut told me that Emma was going to say she didn't see any eyes. And when Emma said she didn't have eyes, my arm hairs shot straight up. For the woman in the pink dress, what I don't know if she had eyes or not, the wide-brimmed hat she was wearing was casting a shadow over and partly covering the top portion of her face. So because of the hat and the casted shadow, I only saw from the tip of her nose downwards. Also, if it was not for my friend and if I were by myself, I would have thought this was an actual person. She wasn't misty, she wasn't translucent. If anything, I thought it was a bit strange a woman dressed like that was out late at night crossing the street. But honestly, the only concern I had at the time was not hitting someone with my car and making sure she crossed the street safely. In 2001 and 2002, I tried to do some internet searches for a ghost woman in a pink dress in the area, but I never found anything local about a woman in pink. Also, and since I was 17 at the time, and an American, so procrastination and apathy come naturally, I didn't really have the drive to research the history of the area. At that point in my life, I pretty much just accepted the event for what it was and moved on. In 2020, I've recently been dealing with a lot of loss between family and friends, so I find my sceptical self thinking back to that event and wondering if it was really a ghost, or if I was just hallucinating since my friend didn't see anything. My science half ran through all the possibilities of it being a hallucination. But I have no health issues of the thyroid, schizophrenia, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, epilepsy, narcolepsy, seizures or migraines. I was not sick at the time with a fever and I definitely wasn't sleepy or stressed. I know it was close to midnight but I was 17 and on spring break and with sleeping in every day the chances are slim. I love my sleep. I wasn't on any medication, illicit drugs or alcohol. I never even had my first drink until I was 22. I even thought back to how much tuna fish I ate at the time for potential mercury poisoning, and based on the amount I ate then, there was no chance. Besides, if I were to hallucinate, i find the fact I would hallucinate some woman in a vintage dress strutting across the street at night and thanking me for stopping a bit odd. I'm more likely to hallucinate Zelda or Pikachu coincidentally prior to listening to your podcast i came across infrasound and vic tandy who claimed his paranormal experience was due to infrasound however my skeptical self decided to look into infrasound some more turns out this study was riddled with bias and other issues according to other studies i came across that couldn't reproduce his results sorry will this includes some nasa studies that I've studied infrasound extensively for space travel, which also happened to debunk the brown note belief, which was an article that the news posted years ago regarding a frequency that caused diarrhea in humans. The article Good Vibrations makes some interesting points for and against infrasound, but eventually refers to the possible effects of magnetism. However, I also looked into magnetism effects on the brain a while back due to my mom's out of body experience, as neuroscientist Michael Persinger claimed this is due to magnetism and used his God-helmet experience to prove this. This experiment also had issues with reproducibility, which Persinger pretty much told those studies, well, you're not doing it right. The one study I could come across with slight reproducibility of Persinger's was from Brazil called Magnetic Stimulation of the Temporal Cortex, a partial God-helmet replication study but when looking at the raw data they provided in the report, they only tested 20 subjects, six of which had no expectation of the experiment, and when reading the responses from the subjects and not the summarized statistics, most of the subjects pretty much felt sleepy or relaxed. There was no out-of-body experiences or visions of ghosts. I find it interesting on Reddit that a lot of skeptics of paranormal things go for the Occam's razor on explanations. Hallucinations, infrasound, magnetism. But when I research into these studies to look at raw data and beyond the flashy sound bites sold by news articles, there never seems to be much there. This goes to prove my statistics professor was correct when he always iterated, figures lie and liars figure. Having worked in research, I see the amount of crunching that needs to be done to raw data for statistics to be able to crunch and give generalizations. And so now when I research, I have to see the raw data and question how it was collected and handled in the process. Everyone is in such a hurry to explain things, and we accept these results in news articles as truth without questioning the data. Also, quite a few sceptics of paranormal events seem to like to say that people with paranormal experiences have everything to gain and ergo they should have hard proof of their event and that science has nothing to gain by disproving. But I think these sceptics haven't worked with many scientists. Scientists have just as much to gain by trying to disprove ghosts or other paranormal events, Money, names on research papers, grant money, personal vendetta, subconscious fear, conscious fear. Scientists are just as susceptible as everyone else to financial gains and ego boosts. Sorry for the rant. But pretty much where I'm going is, I've no freaking clue what I saw when I was 17. I find the older I get, the more I am Jon Snow. I know nothing. Anyway, I've taken an interest to see if anything actually did happen in my hometown at the site where I saw her. Maybe she was a pedestrian that was hit by a car. I often don't tell this story. And one of my friends, who I've recently told, has been my friend for around 10 years. And he is much better at fashion than I am. I sent him some pictures and a few more. And he said she was definitely wearing a 1950s style dress. And the hairstyles she had were called victory curls. I also wasn't sure if the area I saw her in was even developed back in the 1950s but I went on Zillow and Redfin and found out all the houses in the area were built between 1950 and 1956. Could be coincidental, but it's pretty strange. Unfortunately, I've lived back and forth between San Francisco and Seattle since 2004, so I don't have access to newspaper archives at the public library for obituaries and reviewing for any accidents in the 1950s but I'm thinking of subscribing to the historical archives of my hometown's local newspaper to see if there's anything about a woman's death in her 20s or 30s. I may have to look at a decade worth of papers, and can only review 200 articles a month, which will take... a while. Still, there's no guarantee that I would be able to find the woman since the newspapers would likely only have a brief description or a name. And I don't know her name. Anyway, thanks for taking the time to read my long-winded email. I definitely have more experiences to share if you like, but this was the only one I've had a full on apparition in front of me and acknowledging me. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times Both my dad and my mom are very sensitive to spirits, and throughout their whole lives they have always encountered things that are very unexplainable. I, unfortunately, have that gift, as my parents would like to call it. My brother is a skeptic and thinks we're all insane, but what he wasn't expecting was his daughter, who was three at the time, to have this gift as well. My brother moved to West Virginia to be with his girlfriend at the time, who is now his wife. He started a family and had his first child out of four, my mother and I were still in California, and we took some time to fly out and see them and my first niece. My sister-in-law is also very sensitive with spirits, but Will refuse to have anything to do with them due to the fact that it terrifies her, and I don't blame her. My mother and I stayed with my brother and his little family in West Virginia for the time being while we visited. One day in particular, my niece was playing on the ground while all the grown-ups were talking and catching up. My sister-in-law whispered to me and said, Your niece keeps talking about a woman named Debbie, and I don't know any Debbies, do you? I looked a little puzzled and replied that no, I didn't know any Debbies either. Me being curious and wondering who my niece was speaking about, I decided to ask some questions. It's important to know at this age my niece referred to any older woman as Grandma, so me being curious and nosy, I asked my niece who Debbie was. She didn't even look at me because she was too distracted by her toys to make any kind of eye contact and she casually said she's a grandma which I took to mean that she was an older woman. I immediately felt my stomach drop as I knew it wasn't just some imaginary stuff. I proceeded to ask her in a nice happy way is she nice? And still playing with her toys in the most monotone voice she says no she's mean She's dead. Right about now, me and my family were shitting ourselves, even my brother, who's a sceptic. I, of course, was even more intrigued and asked, how did she die? And my niece blurted out, she was shot, 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 shot. Remember, she is three. She doesn't know what those words mean, nor how to arrange them in a sentence like that. My sister-in-law freaked out and said to not talk about it anymore, and we didn't until she was older. she's 11 now and has no recollection of that, but that's not the only creepy thing she's done. One day my niece and my sister-in-law were staying at her parents' cabin in the woods. My niece is a very intelligent and curious little girl and always asks a million questions. Her and my mother are lying in bed, in the dark, and my niece, who was still around three at the time, was asking her mom where her mom's grandma was. Now, my sister in law didn't want to talk about death with her since her creepy outbreak months prior. So she responded and said, When you get older, you go to heaven, and it's a wonderful place. And that's where Grandma is. My niece looked at her mom and then proceeded to point to the upper corner of the dark room and whisper, Mommy, where is his heaven? My sister-in-law told her to close her eyes and go to sleep in a panic to avoid and ignore what just happened. My niece would always say things like the shadows are going to get me and it was so scary. I would also like to add that the months after the Debbie talk and my brother was visiting California my sister-in-law and niece were staying at home alone. My sister-in-law woke up to what sounded like three gunshots upstairs where my niece was. In a frantic state, she ran upstairs to check on her, and she was sound asleep in her bed. My sister-in-law grabbed my niece and left the house and didn't come back until my brother came home. And story number three comes from Taber. My story is short and sweet. My brother, with whom I was close with, we lived together for ten years. We liked to hang out, watch movies and make dinners. We parted ways for about a year and then he moved closer to me and my dad. He had some mental health issues and such after he moved back. Not because he moved back, but because of what he'd gotten up to when he moved away. In December of 2017, he ended up committing suicide, which was body, mind and heartbreaking. No one can be prepared for the grief that was on its way. I had no issue with him taking his life, I could see that he was tired and just didn't have the will to go on, and of course I would miss him dearly, but it was his choice. I was hanging out at my dad's house about six months after he died. I went to go to use the bathroom, and I saw my brother standing in the doorway of the laundry room. He was in the translucent state, but I could make out what he was wearing. He was wearing a red shirt and camo cargo shorts. And he looked good, happier, and calm. Me being me, I wanted to question what I saw and if it was real, but I did not. I took the moment for what it was, and it was so good to see him and to see or feel that he was at peace. I've just realised there's actually four stories, so story number four comes from Carla. First off, I want to be clear that I'm on the fence about paranormal things such as ghosts and demons. I want to believe in the paranormal, but nothing disturbing has shaken me enough to convince me of spirits or their existence. That being said, I've had some mild experiences that happened to me as a child, and even one more recently that I don't know what to make of. As a child, I used to see things move in the darkness. At night, when my door was open, I would see a man walk up the stairs and stand in my doorway. This was when we moved into our new home when I was around eight. I take this experience with a grain of salt, since I've told my friends about this and they used to say they'd seen the same thing. Maybe it was just a child's imagination, or the fact that children are able to sense more than adults. My second experience happened around the same time. My dad was a travelling salesman, so he stayed at hotels near the customers he was visiting. When my dad wasn't around, my mom would let me and my sister sleep in her bed. One night, when my dad was out of town and I was asleep in my mom's bed in the middle of the night, I felt my mom get me out of bed. Or who I thought was my mom. I felt a hand on my right shoulder and a presence behind me as I was guided down the upstairs hallway towards my bedroom. The presence felt womanly, like a motherly figure. That's why I assumed it was my mom. That and my mom had a habit of escorting me back to my room at night when I was half asleep. In the morning, my mom asked, "'Why did you leave last night?' And I told her that I thought she had moved me. She said she hadn't, and we just shrugged it off. Me being young, I didn't really understand what had happened or what it meant. You could chalk it up to sleepwalking. But I've never had a history of sleepwalking and never sleepwalked after the incident, so it couldn't have been that. Weeks later, when I awoke in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, I saw a white shadow of a woman dancing on the first floor of my house near the bottom of the stairs." She appeared to be gliding and twirling, as if a ballerina in a long white dress. After that night I never saw her again, and to this day I still look for her when I'm up late. My third and final bundle of experiences happened more recently, around a year ago. My younger sister had been wanting to buy a Ouija board, since she was a curious believer in the paranormal. When we bought it, we played it the same day and she was a bit nervous to use it since she's always been paranoid of ghosts in the house, even though there's been no serious evidence to support this. We lit two candles, set a cloth down to secure the Ouija board and started to ask questions. The first thing we asked was, are there any spirits here? And how old are you? When the spirit answered 86, my sister started to get a bit nervous. When I asked, what's your name? The planchette spelled out, Angela. And that's when my sister yelled no and started freaking out and crying. My mom rushed into the room and asked what happened, and we told her, and even her being a skeptic she got a little spooked. I immediately started crying as if a wave of emotions had hit me all at once. I had no intention of crying, but it literally felt like I was forced and somebody else was controlling my emotions at that point. I begged my mom to try asking some questions with me on the Ouija board, so that maybe she'd believe me and my sister, when we told her that our grandmother Angela was contacting us from the dead. My mom asked, are you in heaven, and it spelt out yes. She then asked if our grandfather John was with her, and it spelt out no. This is significant since our grandfather was a cruel and callous man who favoured his younger son, our uncle, over his eldest son, our dad. My grandfather treated my dad like absolute shit until his dying breath, which makes sense as to why he would be rotting in hell. My grandmother, on the other hand, was an amazing lady, a modern-day Mother Teresa who was kind to all. After it spelt out no, my mother was super quiet since she knew what it meant, and to this day she still has no explanation for the incident. More recently, like two months ago, my dad was working on the shower head in me and my sister's bathroom. After he and his friend had finished replacing it, I went back in the bathroom and noticed my brand new loofah was in the trash. And I got annoyed with my dad after I assumed it was him who threw it out, since he didn't know what it was or where it was meant to go. So I placed the loofah back on the rack in the shower and made my way downstairs. A couple of hours later I came back up, walked into the bathroom and saw my loofah back in the trash. I marched downstairs to scold my mother for throwing it in the trash. And she said she wouldn't do something like that since she was there when I bought it and she knew it was brand new. I yelled at my sister for throwing it out and she said it had nothing to do with her and she didn't know what we were talking about. I knew she was telling the truth because she was downstairs the whole time and because I know when she's lying and when she's not. When my dad stepped into the room I asked him why he threw it out and he said he didn't even know what it was. I believed him since he's lazy and he wouldn't pick up after us. Andy wouldn't lie about something stupid like that. He's older and he doesn't really do practical jokes. I don't really know what to make of it or how it ended up in the trash, but all I know is that it was incredibly weird.' Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Keith, Riss, Taber, and Carla for sending in your stories. If you want to send in your spooky story, you can do so by sending it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, we shall see you tomorrow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen